Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson, along with my partner, Brian Siegel. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, buddy, having a great Thursday night. Man Cave fully engaged. I got your Bravos and the Rays on the TV. I got the Sox Nets on the TV. And I got the Pelicans Jazz on the TV as well, waiting for the Lakers Clippers to start. And that game's going to the wire, man. I see that late, and I we got I, I got mine pulled up here. I'm watching the end of uh, the Pelicans here. I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know my Lakers are going to take care of some Clippers tonight. That's the hope. So we'll see how it goes. If Brian sounds distracted later in the episode, guys, something's going on with that game, and he is focused on it. So don't be shocked. This can happen because we are sports fans, even outside of our hokeydom. So. Uh, yeah, man, but uh, Brian, we have a lot to unload tonight. <laughs> yeah, a little, little, little something big came out yesterday that we want to have a little discussion on. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get there, but we're going to break a couple quick um, hokey quick takes. Brian, let's go back. Dwayne Lofton, 5'10", 175-pound wide receiver out of Northside High School in Fort Worth, Texas, commits. The commitment comes primarily over Mississippi State. Huge win for the Hokies, moving from Houston up to Fort Worth. What do you think about Dwayne Lawson and what you see out of this guy? Uh, one word, speed. He's, he's going to take some tops off the defenses. Uh, I think he's going to be somebody that can make some big plays for us. And it'll be nice having a another legit burner on the field, you know, in a, in a, in a year or two once he gets uh, – you know, gets his feet under him as a Hokie. So I'm looking forward. That's a big pickup for us, I think. He's definitely going to be a solid uh, solid contributor. I'm not sure if he's going to be a day one contributor, but I think just his speed and some of the versatility I saw with him playing multiple positions and doing stuff on special teams, I think that's going to be, uh, get him on the field uh, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And, 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 and you talk about that versatility. Last year in the um, – Texas 5A, which is one of those criminal or crim conferences or, re, or, you know, regional settings in that division, like, you know, the VHL has our regions. Texas AP 5A first team all state. In his district, he was the MVP. Listen to the stat line. 60 rushing attempts, 332 yards, 13 touchdowns, 55 receptions. 1,216 yards, 15 touchdowns. You talk about him being a day one contributor. You kind of look at his body, Brian. He's kind of built. I mean, he, he puts on 10, 15 pounds, man. He's D1 ready and he's, you know, he's really got close to 12 months to do that. Whether it be some special packages or coming in, like you talk about his speed, maybe on kickoffs or punt return. I really think he could be a day one contributor just because of that versatility and, that would be all from the scene. Yeah, that would be big time. And like you said, I think special teams is going to be probably the easiest way to get him on the field right away. Um, I know that we have you know, some other wide receivers um, that have departed, so it's not a room that's completely filled out. So there are, are going to be some opportunities for him there. But I think special teams is definitely the avenue for, to getting him on the field right out the gate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great land there. Helps move the Hokies up in the in the rankings. He is a three-star, 87 
you know, not even a top hundred player in Texas. Why do we should why should we keep going there? That is why. Yeah. That's why. And you want to do the comparison, you look at where he lands and if you if he were to be in the state of Virginia, he would be a top fifteen player. And the people who say it's not worth it, no. Going to these states of this size, your Florida's, your Texas, your California's, you have to. Whether you get one or you get five guys in a year, that's why you got to do it. Exactly. I mean, you know, we talk about what we see here in Virginia, and I, I would love Virginia talent. I love getting Virginia talent in. But especially Florida and Texas, Florida for geography and the footprint that the ACC has and Texas for the um, experience that some of our coaching staff have in the area, you're a fool not to at least uh, try to get something down there just because of the depth they have and the fact that a lot of these guys that are in that um, fringe high three-star, low four-star range tend to not be the guys that are um, you know looking to stay in state or not getting um, big offers from the A&Ms and the Texases and the Oklahomas. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. Well, speaking of Virginia, Brian, um, you know this is kind of near and dear to us being here in the state, but also going to be obviously, um, you know, affecting a lot of the recruits we already have on board. The BHSL came out this week. They have decided on option three, um, which I think we all can agree option three probably was the way to go. Don't take away seasons from these guys. No. Um, so you know. Option three, guys, if you haven't known, is basically the delay of all the DHL sports and adopting what they call a condensed interscholastic plan. So basically it's going to align as follows. Winter sports are going to run December 14th through December through February 20th. That's kind of its normal cycle. Uh, first contest starts on the 20th, a few days after Christmas. Fall sports are going to start the 15th and run uh, February and run through May 1st. So it's going to overlap with the spring sports, um, which are going to start April 12th through June 26th. That's usually a normal for spring sports. Yeah. Um, Brian, you played. Do, do you like what they did? I like what they did a lot because it does keep the integrity of having the sport played in the year. Because um, for a lot of these guys that play high school ball, when you play high school ball, that's the last time you play that sport in an organized fashion um, to that level. So stepping away from it is a big deal. And I think this gives them an opportunity to still get some of that element, um, even though you're not playing in the fall and even though you're not playing the schedule that you would normally be playing in terms of the number of teams and things of that nature. But it still gives you a chance to you know, strap them up with your teammates one more time and you know, go out the way you want to go out and not go out because, you know, pandemic said you couldn't play. So I think that's big. Most of the guys that are playing D1 sports more than likely are opting out anyway, um, especially under, you know, since we're not playing in the fall at all. Uh, if there were fall sports, I think they, you know, they would play potentially depending on the situation. But with it being moved completely out of the fall, there's no way that I think that most Division One athletes are going to play uh, their senior year at this point. I could be wrong, but I, I think that that'll stand for at least the majority of Power Five players, if not most of Division One players. Uh, yeah. But this this does uh, does open up some opportunities for some of these other guys to maybe get a look that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, you know, you've got some fairly talented uh, skill position players uh, 
that don't always get a lot of reps because there's a limited number and, and you always want to get your most talented guys out there. So I think that's where an opportunity stands for a lot of these guys. Um, some of these skill position players showing what they have. So that could open up some maybe, you know, D2, D3 opportunities for guys that otherwise thought that their high school careers might be done after high school or their football careers might be done after high school. Absolutely. You you said it already. The guys who are going D1, FBS, FCS, they're probably not going to play. And they shouldn't. I'll be straight up. Just because if they play, the season would, you know, it's technically going to be ending pretty late spring. Then you talk about recoup. And most of those guys, whether it be FBS or FCS, they're heading to school in June. They're starting, they're already starting the collegiate workout plans. Then obviously your normal, um, your normal, Training camp. Yeah. So it makes sense for them. You made the perfect point. The guys who could be looked at D2, D3 in AI, those are the guys who benefit from this because it's like just go out there and play because now you think of like Jalen Jones down at Thomas Jefferson or Asbury up at Stafford. They're probably not going to play. We, yeah. we respect that decision completely. But now the guys behind them will get essentially probably truly an extra year to prove whether they be juniors or seniors. And you made that point. Maybe they catch the eye. They can't play at a D1 level. They, they, they're, you know, they're not built. They don't have the skill. But your alma mater, the school up the street, Randolph-Macon, yeah. you know, Virginia Union, Virginia State, maybe that's the chance they get to go in there and say, hey, this is nice. You know, we wouldn't even thought about this kid because he was behind this guy, and this guy was going to get all the reps. So I personally, I really like it, um, and I like it that we're going to give the chance. You know, I'll say this. My neighbor behind me, his son plays basketball. He was so worried that they, they were going to completely cancel sports and he wouldn't get a senior season. Uh, so I'm really happy for the kids that are going to get to play their senior seasons and maybe some kids who get opportunities they would not have had. So it's pretty awesome. Um, all right, so we're getting into the big stuff now. Um Brian, you know, yesterday, mid-afternoon, it, it, it kind of happened. Um, you know, go ahead, play the tape, and uh, give me your thoughts. After much consideration with my family, I have decided to opt out of the 2020 college football season and began preparing for the 2021 NFL Draft. I am opting out due to uncertain health conditions and regulations and all the other opt-outs going on in football right now. I tragically lost my mother, Robin, January 2nd, 2018, to an illness, and I cannot afford to lose another parent or loved one. Though the competitor in me badly wants to play this season, I cannot ignore what's going on in my heart, and I must make the decision that brings me the most peace. So thank you, Virginia Tech, my coaches, teammates, and anyone else who has supported me in the past. I wish you all the best, and stay safe, and God bless. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was Caleb Farley, uh, opting out of his season at Virginia Tech for this fall, um, to prepare for the draft. Um, most of that stemming from a wariness of not wanting to take the risk of being someone that would get someone else in his family sick. And, you know, respect that decision 100%, especially for a guy that, you know, all of us have been talking about. We knew he was gone after this year. We, we knew it was coming, and I understand with some of the things we're going to talk about in a few minutes 
and just everything going on and the uncertainty of, you know, are the protocols that we have in place something that's going to be good enough to keep everyone safe? 100% respect the decision. Um, on top of not wanting to maybe injure yourself in these unknown circumstances and, you know, hurt your, your draft stock in that way, definitely want to make sure that you're taking care of those around you that you love. So, you know, respect it 100% and wish him nothing but the best and just, uh, you know, hope he does well with uh, with the training leading up to the draft. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, man. Um, the reason he gives was, you, you can't question it, the guy lost his mom less than two years ago in, in a battle with cancer and he's got his dad. And I think the first thing he thinks about is, don't want to play yeah. Um, but I've, I've got my dad. He's probably going to be the only person here every week coming to all my games, watching me, and even with the protocols in place, we, we, we see it like from today. You saw the Phillies, right? Yep. They haven't been around Marlins since Sunday, and two guys just tested positive today. Who's not to say, you know, we're playing Pitt, and they tested fine, and they were bubbled. But then a couple days later, well, somebody's not feeling right. And I think for him, it's he's got his dad. And he's looking ahead to his future and saying, I'm going to go to the NFL next year. I'm going to have my family set for life. This is an unmitigated risk I'm not willing to take. Not so much for maybe getting hurt or something, but to potentially get someone in my family sick. I have no issues with it. No issues. You know, you, you see the video when Schefter and everything, when it broke, you could tell it was a very emotional decision for him. He, you know, gave shout-outs to his teammates, shout-outs to the coaches at Tech. So I have no issue with it. Um, it is kind of funny. Um, Brian, guess who is now the number one rated cornerback for the ACC? Uh, would that be Jermaine Waller? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so <laughs> you mean a Hokie opts out, and now we've got another Hokie as the number one corner in the conference? Uh, yeah. DB who? Um, DBU. Um, oh yeah, and Armani Chapman, um, out of, I think 200 true freshmen that had played enough snaps last year was the number nine true freshman corner in the country. Oh yeah. We're not in that department. We wish Caleb all the best. But Brian, as I was sitting there and that announcement was made, David Teal, you know, the Virginia Hall of Fame writer pops out. I think we've got something coming down soon. And when Caleb made his, he made that tweet. I got to put two and two together real quick. I shot you a text. Dude, it's happening today. Yep. Because it was like, yep, they've it, told the coaches. The coaches have told the players. Caleb made it's his. It's about to get public. It's about to get public. So, folks, we are here. Um, the ACC yesterday essentially released its guidelines for the fall, including the ACC football schedule. Um and some schedules, you know, for the non-Olympic sports, which I, I give credit to the conference for outlining that because they want to give those guys a chance to play too. But um, were you shocked, Brian, A, that they released it yesterday when everything up yesterday was saying, eh, they're not going to release anything today? I uh, was a little shocked um, just because I thought they were still some kinks to iron out. It, it was what it sounded like, and then all of a sudden everything was good. Um, I'm wondering if, and we'll get to that 
issue later, but I, I'm wondering if the, the plus one format was the, the quibbling um, part of the, the deal that was being made, especially in relation to what the SEC ultimately came out with later. Um, so I'm wondering if that was the, the, the big thing there, but it's really interesting seeing what they came out with here. It was not what we were, I think, thinking. I think a, a lot of us were kind of maybe leaning towards a pod situation. True. Up until, you know, maybe the last few days, and all of a sudden, you know, we get a different format. So um, this does create some more interesting matchups, I think. Um, but it does not come with its... Uh, without its controversy, so I'll let you pick up with some of that as well. Oh, yeah, man. Now, well, let's, let's just start um, – let's start with the dates first because okay. I, I want everybody to kind of know the succession of things. You know, per the release, it, the schedule will start the week of September 7th through 12th. September 7th is Labor Day night. I think they specifically did that. I think they want to get that national game on. Um, not guaranteed, but I think they're going to try to maybe – Fit one, maybe two. You know, Labor Day week. Hey, let's play a three thirty and a seven thirty. Screw it. Let's get some national publicity. Um, uh, you know, and maybe even that week, maybe they even spread a couple more out. A to make less the easier on the travel schedule. Maybe let's do one Thursday. Let's do one Friday. Let's get the rest done on that Saturday. Um, I, I see that. But right now, it's thirteen weeks for eleven games. The ACC championship would either be December 12th or December 19th. Um, that is something very interesting that they didn't set that date. That is a week after where it normally would be, one to two weeks after. So that makes me raise my eyebrows. So what do you think about the layout of the dates right now, Brian, before we get into the format and some of the other stuff? Well, the layout of the dates are telling me that they're not sure what they're doing with the bowls. Um, 100% right there, right away. Um, I'm thinking that other than probably the major bowls, there ain't going to be no bowls this year. Mm. That would be my guess. Um, just looking at those dates and looking at, you know, I, I we'll get to it later, but, you know, even, even other conferences starting later than we are. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that we're looking at maybe taking anything not at least – December 28th or later off the table in terms of bowls. I don't know what you're thinking about that schedule. That, that was my first takeaway seeing these, these dates throw out there. Well, I think maybe with the bowls, maybe not. Um, you know, five months is a long time away. You know, somebody, you, you tell me the vaccine comes down in November, or there will be bowls. I don't even doubt that one bit. Um, but to me, I think it's more of their, it's almost like they're, they're saying if things happen and we have to cancel a game, let's build in not one. We've already got two bye weeks. Let's build in two more buffer weeks yeah. where something does happen. And let's say they can't play because we, we had an outbreak here at this school. Well, if we need that game, we now have a buffer built in to where we can say, hey, you guys are cleaned up now. You're straight. Um, here's the deal. You're going to play on the 12th or you're going to play on the 5th to make up this game. And we're going to see what happens. Do if, if we need extra games, we can have them. So I, I, I think you talk about the bowl. I just see now they built themselves in. 
it's a 13 week season, but no, now it's a 15 week season because of how much they've extended it. Yeah. And I, and I think what they were saying, what, what I was trying to say, I guess, is they built themselves that buffer. They're, they're valuing the regular season over having to get the bowls in. Oh, God, and yeah. I think that's important. Oh, God, yeah. And, and if you think about it, I, I believe with the ACC, 19th is usually the first weekend of bowls. The ACC is not affiliated with any of those bowls. Yeah. The ACC stuff really doesn't start until the end of the next week going into Christmas and definitely after Christmas because, you know, you've got Independence Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl. They are always right after Christmas, you know, yeah. So I think that's right. But I think they're just trying to build in some safety precautions, and that's fine. That's what you've got to do if you're going to try to get this season in this crazy time. Um, I have no issue with it. So you mentioned it already. Let's jump to it. The format. It is 10 conference games. It is one out of conference game. Um, we have no divisions. No divisions. No divisions. Um, the two top teams will meet in the ACC championship game. Including Notre Dame. Uh, including Notre Dame. I'm, I'm fine with that though. I say it half-heartedly. I'm, I'm fine with it because it's a lot more exposure for the conference. Um, and some, um, you know, money, money, money. We'll get to that in a few minutes, too. Um, so they're going to play the 10 conference games. Now, you do see you have some normal divisional matchups, what we'll see every year. But some are canceled. Um, probably the most notable for Virginia Tech is there is no Georgia Tech game. No wreck. No rambling wreck, Georgia Tech. Still one of my best experiences was when we beat that ass in 05 with game day. Shout out to my fraternity brother, David Fuqua, who got us tickets and we went up there, did the whole experience. Unbelievable. Um, but we don't play Georgia Tech. Okay. I, I don't think that's any love loss. I don't think anybody's upset about that. Um, but you, you're kind of seeing some clunkier things. You know, we're not the only ones affected. A few other teams aren't playing some traditional things they play on their side of the divisions. Yep. But I think we all get it for this year. Now, what do you think? I mean, did, did any other did anything else like jump out to you, or do you think they got enough of the big games right to where it's like, okay, we lost Georgia Tech, this team lost that? Yeah. I think they got the big ones right. If I had any qualm with with the schedule, I would have probably replaced. Um, since it was, I think they were both scheduled as home games anyway. Replaced Boston College with Georgia Tech. Okay. Um. That would have been my, my, my change because travel-wise, it's about the same, I, I would say, give or take, for, well, for them. I think we're still playing Boston College, though. That's what I'm saying. I would have traded. I would have, I would have oh, rather okay, played yeah. Georgia Tech at home versus BC at home because the traveling for each team would probably be about the same. Yeah. Um, them okay. come, BC coming down to us, Georgia Tech coming up to us. Um, yeah. So that, that would have been my trade-off there. Um, I care more about – the Georgia Tech rivalry than I do about BC. Um, short of a few <laughs> years of Matt Ryan, no one really gives a shit about BC. It's the um, game that every Tech fan is like, why the fuck we got to play them? Like, uh, well, because you were in the Big East together. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it didn't really, it wasn't a matchup that really heated up that much until both teams were in the ACC. It's true. It's very, very true. Now, Brian, we, we look at there is right now the ACC currently has on the table. I put in air quotations a plus one. Um, that opponent it must be played in the home state of the ACC school. 
Um, it must meet the medical requirements. They must meet the medical requirements um, protocol set by the ATT. So in essence, what it's saying is there will be no out-of-conference away games or neutral site games. So UVA gets lucky they don't have to play Georgia. UNC gets lucky they don't have to play um, Auburn. Um, you know, they have to agree to the ACC protocols, which I think if, if it is a – whether it's a P5 or an independent or an FCS, they're going to – Agree because it's money on the table for them. It's also more or less the same protocols that they're probably going through in their conference anyway. Exactly. Um, my gut says most teams are just going to find someone in their state, very close neighbor that'll fulfill this need. I, I think we're just going to keep Liberty. I really do, unless they do not abide by our protocols, which might be the case because, you know, they've already done some stupid crap down there. Um, what do you think? Do you think would you well? Would you stay with Liberty? Or would you um, I think a lot of it would depend on the contract language and whether that contract language applies to since we are playing an out of conference game and they meet the qualifications. Is that agreement still something that we would need to honor? Um, I would think not, um, yeah. just based on everything else. But again. There's some contractual things that I'm not privy to, so I'm not going to speak with any authority on that. Um, that being said, I think there may be better options out there um, that are less controversial in terms of the larger fan base um, and not just the political aspects of it, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no problem with, with keeping Liberty on there, if especially if that's the um, – path of least resistance, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing adding either ODU back in there or getting a JMU or someone like that on the schedule as well, so I, I could really go any direction with that. As long as we play in lane, that's all that really matters to me. That is all that really matters. Um, I also think this is one of those caveats. I think if, if things were to change, I think they would cut this down quick. I think they would cut the plus one quick and Yeah, say, that's the easiest one to get rid of, and it just all you do is you just turn that into an extra open week. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I don't really care who it is. I think right now most tech fans want to get out of the Liberty deal because they feel like it's becoming a, it's probably going to become an ECU deal, um, which, you, again, you don't want to happen. Um, so, yeah, now, so we got the dates, we got the format. Um, let, let's talk money in television because if the reason this is happening with Notre Dame has become because there ain't no doubt that one of the biggest keys in getting this deal done was getting Notre Dame. They are not sharing part. They are sharing all of their NBC money. Equal pie. Equal pie. And other various sources because, remember, they get they have some additional things where they pull funds in from that no other um, team is available. Um, now, since we really don't know the – Notre Dame contract with NBC, we really can't really calculate it. Some people are like, oh, it's only like 15 mil a year, which I call bullshit on. I think it's a hell of a lot more because if you look at that contract that apparently was in grain about 10 years ago, it's like 15 million. You do some of the other maths, like this team would not be doing this if they were 10 to 12 million behind in revenue. They wouldn't. No. It wouldn't stay independent. It wouldn't make fiscal sense. Um, but now all the TV res, all the other sources, into a pie, chopped up 15 ways. Um, any, I don't 
Any 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 qualms? Any any questions you have about that? Um, I mean, I I like that as a kind of mea culpa for letting your guys potentially play for the fucking ACC championship game. <laughs> um, you know, if if we've got to have a trade off, that's a hell of a good trade off in a you know season of pandemic where a lot of these athletic departments are hemorrhaging money. Hold on, Brian. What you're saying? This is what I'm sure that the ACC the ACC ADs looked at uh, Swarbrick and the guys at uh, Notre Dame, and what do you think they said? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we had to slip. Yep. I have to let you slip that in there. Mm-hmm. I can, that's what they said to him. <laughs> that's exactly what went down. Um, and you know, good for them for for putting pressure on there and saying, hey, if you want to be a part of this conference during this thing and potentially play for our conference championship, you need to come up off some of that green that you're sitting on there. And like you said, there's a reason that they've been able to maintain independence. It's not just that they, I mean, I'm sure they do have, they have donors at the wazoo. They've got this, that, and the other that funds their athletic program, but there's no way that they're making, they're at least making by themselves what an individual ACC team is making in media dollars. So just adding that into the pot and spreading it around is going to be nice. Yep. And I'm sure they're probably making more than that, especially with all the other avenues that you were speaking on. So I think it's a, it's a good idea. Um, I guess the other part of this whole money thing is, and we haven't really addressed this yet, is we've seen some waffling from, like, the Dukes and, you know, Bronco Mendenhall making a statement the other day about, you know, things, you know, safety of the players and things like that. So, you know, should a team opt out, what, what's going to happen with this money, Curtis? Um, if a school opts out, I almost want to be like, as the other teams that are there, man, fuck you, pay us. Um, I don't think that will happen. I don't think they will have to give up their full share. But if a team opts out, I think you're going to see the, commi- the commissioner along with the other D- ADs say, listen, they don't have to now fund a football team. For the, for the operational expenses. The scholarships, what you pay your coaches, that's like, no, that's different. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not even go there. I, I think they'll probably have to give up half. I think that would probably be something where I say, if you choose to opt out, this is what you're getting. The rest we're putting back into the pot. We're splitting it equally. Um, and yeah. let, 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 let's freeze there. Half of the normal ACC or half of the ACC, NBC combined pot? Everything, everything. So what your share would be from, like, for example, let's say, let's say you put Notre Dame's money in and it comes up to 30 million. Cause last year I think the ACC was at 27 and you just say, give or take, Notre Dame's maybe roughly 30. And you just basically say, you're going to get 15, fund what you need to fund. The other 15, the other million, the other 15 is going back to the other schools that are playing. Because you, you, what you're doing is you're losing your rights because this is supposed to be to fund your football, pay for the expenses, and all this stuff. You're up and out. You're not playing. Um, personally, I think it was some of that, some of those statements were pandering, and you know you can be concerned. We're all concerned, you know, about what's going on. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's taking this lightly. No. And, and but when you see that statement, it's just like, dude, come on. Nobody's taking this lightly. Nobody's taking this lightly. 
Um, you look at the protocols that are, there, that are going in place. It would not surprise me if in the next, what are we, we six weeks away from first weekend kick? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they eventually said maybe two, three weeks from now, listen, you got to figure out a bubble for your players. Talk with your academics and say they're going to all be online. They're basically going to do their class here inside your athletic building, train, yada, yada, back home. Almost to the way what's happening with Major League Baseball and the NFL. It's going to be on the, the, the player's personal responsibility to not go out. Guys, don't go to Tots. Don't go to Sharkies. Stay away from Fraternity Row, house parties. You can do that next semester. <laughs> um, actually, you should be careful with it next semester as well, even if we have stuff, because, you know, there's still things out there. But that, that's my thought. My first thought would be give them nothing, but then realistically, you know, moderate me says you got to give them something because it does fund other sports. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm more in the they get 50% of what they would have gotten under a normal season, and the Notre Dame money gets split over just the teams that are actually playing. Right. So I don't think they should be entitled to the Notre Dame money because they're opting out of a system that included Notre Dame. So the system wouldn't exist without Notre Dame. So if you're opting out of that system, you opt out of their money. Good problem there. Now, something else that's interesting is the TV for this year because, you know, really for Notre Dame and their contract, it's normally they get all their home games on yeah. NBA. But with this, I mean, do you think – I feel like that's all could possibly change because you're talking about – Depending on the way it looks, in G5 school, like Conference USA said they're basically playing an eight-game schedule this year, and I think one out of conference in state, very similar to the ACC guidelines. So there's still going to be a lot of football, um, you know. But the way I kind of see it is, if they do this, um, you know, we're we're avoiding them, so it doesn't affect tech. But you know, until the ACC championship game, but I think you're going to see them get a couple of away games. I think they're going to get, if they choose to go, if you have the six true games there, and let's say we the out-of-conference days, yeah. I think it will be looked at at least one or two of their away games because you know, the conference could be putting stress and say, we're going to put this on NBC. You know, they play Florida State. We're, we're, let's say Norvell gets Florida State in the right direction, and that's a midseason game. They're three and one. Notre Dame's four and zero. Oh. Yeah, you don't. If it's down at FSU, and I've got to go look at the calendar and see where that game is. I believe it. FSU FSU is actually a home game for them. Okay, so, so here's what I would think, and I'll throw this out there to you. Okay. Um, so their away games are BC, Georgia Tech, UNC, Pitt, and Wake Forest. I could see ACC flexing his muscles and saying. Fuck you! You're not playing UNC or Pitt on NBC, but we'll give you a BC or Wake Forest. I got what you're saying. You're saying they're going to try to flex their muscle on their home big game. game. They're big. They're big games. I got you. That are away. So the ACC is going to say you can play some away games on your NBC contract, but those big games that you're playing away, they're going to be on ACC Network. Yeah, they're going. To, yeah, I got what you're saying. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. Likes the smaller games in there, but the pit the UNCs who are projected to be, you know, pretty good this year. Nah, we're, we're, we're making sure they're going to be on the ACC. Agreed with that. Um, 
So it will be interesting to see how that works. That's probably a lot of legal stuff that involves a lot of lawyers. Um, so, yeah, man. But either way, you know, the, the next piece to kind of look at is we're doing this. Money looks straight. Format straight. Date straight. Brian, um, our buddy, um, John Earl, the fourth, Hampton Sydney alum as yourself, sir. Jay Tigers. Four. Um, he hit us up with the, the, the mileage chart and Virginia Tech, well, we are the low balls here. Virginia Tech's traveling basically, this is by, John did it by flight. So basically, if you fly from here to here, Tech's only traveling 835 miles for the, all of their away games. Significantly low. Now, you kind of look across the spectrum. It, it makes sense who your larger ones are. It's, it's, it's Miami, it's FSU, and it's BC. Yep. Um, Miami is, by his calculations, traveling the furthest, 30, over 3,700 miles. BC at 2,700. Um, take that back. Notre Dame also 2,700. But then you kind of start, it starts compressing more and more. And you kind of see it for like BC and Miami. They don't, they have maybe one drivable game. It's BC if they want to bust down to Syracuse. It's Miami if they want to bust over to Tallahassee. And that's still about an eight or 10 hour drive. But you kind of look at it and you got the data in front of you there. It's, it's actually kind of level set across. I mean, yes, we get the favorable one because, you know, like UVA, for example, has to travel over 2000 miles. We're honestly the outlier. Like we are a good amount. Um, yeah, everyone like, else is kind of like twelve hundred and above. Like so, yeah. there's a there's a big difference just as the starting point there, um, and you know it helps. Two things helped us in this case. So, the biggest one is that we're in the traditional ACC footprint from jump. So, right away, we're gonna have less travel by default than some of the other teams that were added later, especially the BCs and the Florida teams. So that helped us. Number two, the fact that on our original schedule, we were already playing some of our longest uh, competitors at home, like yep. D.C., like um, Miami. Yep. So they just kind of put those into the schedule. So really we're looking at, like, what, Pitt and Louisville being our biggest, our biggest travel games. Yeah, that's it. Um, that is, every, everything else is in the, uh, the the Carolina region. So, and and Wake Forest is obviously just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Um, can, we we can legitimately the three of our away games we can drive. New Carolina and Wake, get in the bus, boys. Let's get down eighty one. Yep. And let's go. Um, if is, if they're letting people in the stadium. If they're letting people in the stadium. Yeah. Which they haven't gotten to that point yet in terms of at least a conference level guideline, which I don't think they're going to do because certain states are going to have certain rules and it's going to be hard to have a blanket policy. Like they might set a, a ceiling. They might set a ceiling, but yeah. they're not going to set a floor. Yeah. Um, what will so. be interesting with that? And this, this is, we haven't discussed it yet. This wasn't even on the agenda, but I think what, what's got to happen is now that it's set, is once a few other things get protocols get in place, my bet is each and every one of these ADs and the presidents are probably going to go to their state governor and like request a special 
we want a special um, waiver. Regardless, because here it is, you know, Lane Stadium, 66,000 people, open air. There's yep. no crowd there. We can effectively social distance double 12 feet. We would like to put 15,000, 20,000 people in here. We're going to effectively social distance. We're going to require. And if you, I think they're going to go through the political route and, you know, go to the governor's, you know, Carolina, Duke, all these places are going to do the exact same thing. This is how many we'd like and wait for the approval. Because they could go with, let's go with the high number, 23,000. Can't do 23. We looked at the layout, but you can do 15. Boom. Cool. Right with us. And, you know, then obviously the logistical people in the ticket offices are going to yeah. have crazy figuring out who gets tickets. Exactly. I think what, what they'll end up doing is something like if you said 20,000 would be the the benchmark. Yeah. You go, you go every other row. Yep. Seating people. And then you go two seats between any block of seats sold. Yeah. The seats, by the way, I did measurements. Seats are 38 and a half inches. Yeah. So if you put two seats between a block of tickets sold, you've got your six foot yep. social distancing between your parties. Yeah, exactly. And then clearly from one, one, one um, row to another is clearly more than six feet plus. You're talking about you're looking at the back of someone, not the front of someone. That's got to be figured out. I'm, I'm hoping they will allow fans in. If they don't, I won't be shocked. I won't be upset either. But that kind of is what it is. I mean, we're starting to get used to that with some of the sports we're watching at present, uh, uh, especially with my Lakers up 13 to 9. <laughs> Sorry. I, I looked to the left right as I was talking about it. I was like, okay, there we go. 13 9. I like it. Good start. Watching the baseball game, seeing no one there, it's, it's kind of awkward to seeing the cardboard cutouts, but you, you kind of get used to it. Um, and the funny piece is a lot of these guys in all these sports have played to empty places before. Yeah. Some of them will even tell you, like, we just get in the zone. We couldn't tell you what's going on outside the field of play because that's the way they're built. And, um, I mean, especially when you talk about baseball, I mean, some of these – uh you know, these podunk single-A teams oh, God, yeah. play a day game in the middle of the week. They're used to playing to, like, 100 fans. So, I mean, it's probably not that different than what yeah. you're looking at now. Well, well let me say this. The, the, the bro-in-law, we had a conversation about it, and he said the way it looks is the way it reminded him of perfect games. You've heard of perfect game, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that's the way it's going to feel. And he's like, the guys who play at the major league level, he's like every single one of those guys play perfect game. Oh, so they're, they've been used to being, you know, in a stadium with no one there, barely just your family, maybe, maybe, you know, 100 people in a 40,000 seat stadium. He's like, but, but we're built that way. We're built to focus on the game, not the crowd. So yeah, Brian, um, you know, as crazy as this year is, um, there are some crazy good matchups that now, because of all this craziness we stumbled into, now Virginia Tech, you know, tell everybody, we, 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 tell, tell them the normal, the, the normals we aren't seeing, the three teams. All right. So obviously we don't have, uh, Georgia Tech. We've already talked about them. Yep. The one that we added though. Oh, oh, the one. The one, the big one. The big one. Uh, Clemson, you ever heard of them? Oh, God, yeah. 
then we also, uh, we talked about Georgia Tech dropping off, but we added in NC State, which is kind of, I think, a fairly even swap in terms of skill level. I think Georgia Tech more is kind of trending up while NC State is trending down. Um, NC State maybe has a couple more guys talented on the roster right now, but I think they're floundering and they're very anemic offensively, just like Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think that's a big uh, big difference in the trade off there. And easier travel, easier travel. Easier so travel. I mean, th- th- those are the, the the two big ones there. Um, now we kept Louisville, which we kept was- Louisville. Which is very nice. Um, now they are trending up. Satterfield's got them going. I'm in the right direction. Um, you know, and we get Wake again, again, local. They're, they're sort of down with Jamie Newman transferring. Always good defense though with, uh, Clawson. So, I mean, I like the way it's looks nice saw. We traded Penn State to Clemson. Okay, we lost that trade. I'm sorry. Clemson yeah. is better than Penn State. Clemson is a better team than not not just talent wise, but yeah. coaching top to bottom. Even though I, I, no no disrespect there to anybody on Penn State staff, but Gabbard got it run. He's got yeah. it home. We traded NC State for Georgia Tech, as you mentioned. Even swap. Um, Louisville was on the schedule anyway. We we're going to play them. And essentially, we traded Wake for Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Yeah, um, for, for for two. Lower, lower also ran uh, teams that we were gonna that were on our schedules. So I think we made out okay. Um, but you know, some other schools didn't. But I've just been looking, and you think about they got it set. I'm sure there's someone in the ACC offices in Greensboro because yes, you got Clemson DT. It's down at Lane. Whether they have whether they have fans or not, that's a big game. Um, what about Clemson plays Miami? Clemson plays Notre Dame. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh yeah. UNC gets FSU Norvell under his first year. UNC also gets Notre Dame. (laughs) Let me throw this one at you. Look at Syracuse's away schedule. Look at Syracuse's away schedule. Let me get that. I'll, I'll run it down for you, buddy. Run it down. Clemson away, Louisville away, UNC away, Notre Dame away, Pitt away. They're not winning an away game. There was no, somebody there too that had a pretty brutal away schedule. Was it UVA? UVA's isn't great. Clemson, FSU, Miami, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Well, <laughs> not great, Bob. Not great at all. And they still have to play a couple tough home games as well with Louisville and UNC. Oh my god! So UVA kind of got screwed in the way. Syracuse just got—they just put Syracuse in the trash dumpster. Like we don't really care about you. Just go. Syracuse, lose. you can opt out because any t- any road trip you're taking, you're losing. You go take that L. You go. They might. It's not only they're going to take the L. They might take the L by three to four touchdowns in every game, even pit. Um, but let, let me get back because that's hilarious. All right. So then Louisville, Miami, Pitt, Clemson, and that's going. You can see that being a war. Pitt, Notre Dame. I mean, this is probably some of the best stuff that's come out of the schedule is because you're having everybody play each other, you're seeing more highlighted matchups. Now, I'm hoping the ACC doesn't screw the pooch and, like, force, like, oh, we're going to play three of these games in one weekend. Like, dear God, guys, no, no, no. 
spread these things out while we crawl, while we're crossing our fingers, hoping to God there's a season. So we can have like, oh man, that's, when's Tech playing noon? Well, that's the, that's the seven o'clock kick. That's the game I'm going to be on. Um, so that's like, I don't know. It's, it's one of these things and, you know, you know, if you mentioned the SEC and that just broke this afternoon as we were like getting everything together, it's going to be interesting to see that 10 team schedule too, which I'm sure when they were released, who's playing who probably in the next few days, we'll probably hit on the next podcast. But Brian, we're like, Hey, cross our fingers. Please let, I don't care if there's any fans or not. Please let us have a season. There are some matchups that I want to see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Some not including us. Yeah. It's going to be some, some really good matchups. And I think, um, I know we'll we'll talk about it some more here when we talk about our our ideal uh, look at how these games are going to be arranged um, on the schedule. But you know, I'm I'm looking at this and I wouldn't have a problem going to a nine or a ten game conference schedule going forward. Hell no. And just getting rid of the divisions and trying Hell. to balance the schedule as best you can every year. Um, so that no one's getting completely dick shitted like Syracuse. <laughs> NUBA. Oh, there you go. Right. I mean, um, I, I'd be down for that just because, you know, some of these, I mean, as, as much as, you know, having a couple games with a lower ticket price is nice. Yes. Getting into tech, um, and especially those September games, um, getting in the lane and, you know, crushing an opponent, I would much rather add, Maybe one high profile opponent a year and maybe one more like Wake Forest style opponent. Um, that's, you know, across the, the, the divisions that we've been playing traditionally and just have added and do 10 because, you know, that's, that's, to me, that's much more compelling than any of those non-conference games. And especially if we're able to work in something with, you know, we're talking about, you know, these additional, uh, the additional weeks in the schedule. I, I don't know if that's something that might not, be a long-term staple as well, having maybe an additional week here or there, um, having you know two open weeks for most teams. That would that might be something that comes out of it is pushing all conference championship games back a week. That wouldn't surprise me. Basically, saying Thanksgiving is no longer going to be the um, Thanksgiving is no longer going to be the big game or the last game of the season before conference championships. You can work out the Navy-Army the Navy game at some point in time. Um, but if you say we could get Notre Dame in the next five years and we have 15 teams, I would not be opposed to going to a 10-2. Yeah. 10 conference games, one power five game, you can get one group of five game. Yep. And to be right, well, that screws SCS teams. Hold on. Why not say this? Find your SCS team. You know, JMU, William and Mary. Hey, we want you guys to come up at the end of our camp and scrimmage us. And could you put the scrimmages on TV? Yes. Dear Lord, you could put the scrimmages on TV. Now, it might be a little funky because when you do a scrimmage, the thing is, as you know, when you scrimmage someone, it's like, listen, we're going to do, let's do, you know, well, let's do just red zone sets. You guys do two series, we'll do two series. Uh, let's do this. Let's do that. It won't because the one thing I will say that the power five schools will do in those situations is they will not play a full on game. It will be very situational. But 
as Tech fans, if you're saying, hey, we're going to give JMU $400,000 to come up and, and scrimmage with us, hell yeah. Stroke it. We can get situational against real people that we want to hit versus, hey, don't take out so-and-so's leg, Jesus yeah. Christ. He's our best, you know, linebacker. And guess what? Yeah. Lane can get some more uh, dollars in the bank there. It's essentially like having a better extra spring game. Yeah. Well, hell, the, that game won't even put it on the season tickets. Just do yeah. general admission up front. Yeah. And just basically say, here's like what a we're flat, flat 20 or something like that? And... I, I say flat 30. Flat okay. 30. Wherever you want to sit, but you've got to get in line. So, in, in same with the same with the parking lots. This is a week where parking lots are open. It's twenty for any parking lot associated with tech. It's thirty for tickets. Now, how do you make it really interesting? Is you basically say, you know, you probably set aside some student tickets, and for them, you say, here's your tickets for this game. Go in there and have fun. But I like it because a it really shows gets the conference that whoever the best two teams in the conference, they're going to play in the end. Because basically you're going to play, you know, almost 70% of the teams in the league. Um, and, you know, we, everybody wants to schedule a good out-of-conference opponent, and you want that group of five because it's essentially the build-up. So I'm good Yeah, with and, and, and with 15, I don't think that with playing a 10-game schedule, no. you're not learning any more or less than you were learning – with nope. a divisional setup either. So it's not like saying, oh, well, the, the two best teams in this 10-game format with no no divisions, is, I'd say nine times out of ten you'd end up with the same two teams. And, and, and in some cases, better. you'd end up, you know, the conference that had the two better teams doesn't get screwed. So I think it, there's benefits in, in that case where, you know, if one, con- one division had two legit teams – you don't end up screwing one team versus the other. So, you know, you really have a, a, a more true, I think, representation of, of how good the conference is. And I think that's something that would be good to see because, let's be honest, I mean, as, as good of a run as UVA had last year, they weren't the second-best team in the conference last year. They were not the second So best. I don't think that told us anything about – how good or bad Clemson was or how good or bad UVA was yep. because UVA probably wasn't the second best team in the conference. They might not even been the third best team in the conference. Well, I mean, you go back to the mid 2000 or mid 2000 teams and when it was FSU and Clemson were the two best in the conference. But then you go back to the early parts of it where, you know, it was for a couple of years there, it was, you know, VP in Miami for like what? Oh, six. And like 04 were the best. Now 04 we got lucky because that last game of the year was a de facto a de facto conference championship game. But it's like there's been times like that. And what you do by going to this format is one thing the Big 12 got right when that with the amount of teams they have is we're going to play the two best teams are going to play, and they're going to probably play once in the regular season. And you're going to see two good games. Like in fact, case in point, a couple years ago. Texas with Dicker to kicker hits that 48 yarder down at the at the uh, Red River Shootout. Beats Tech. Texas beats Oklahoma. Go to the championship game. Oklahoma pays them back in a really good game. You're gonna see that, and it doesn't hurt your conference because if somebody's walking in there with one, both teams walking there with one loss, I beat them. Hey, they were you, They beat every team on their schedule. 
And it's going to be really tough not to put that team in the playoff to say, I played 13 games. I've won all but one. I played 12 teams. I beat all 12 teams. Yes. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a pipe dream. Maybe it's something we create later on. All right, Brian, you mentioned it. We got to do it because we know who we're playing. Let's say it. We need to create the perfect schedule for this year. Um, y'all, I'm going to be straight up. Me and Brian talked on the phone for like 40 minutes putting this together um, early this afternoon <laughs> because if we were trying to spitball this thing on the fly, like the pod, we're, I think we're about at 48 minutes right now. The pod would have went like an hour, 56 minutes. And y'all be like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? So, Brian, kick us off. December, excuse me, September 12th, Lane Stadium. Boston College Eagles will be visiting Lane Stadium. I have no issue with this. Same as last year. We could have beat them. Danny Ron Willis for throwing all those picks. Um, no issue with this. Good right out the gate. Now, the next two are kind of interesting. And me and you were talking about it. Yep. We're setting up back-to-back road game, guys. The first one... Let's go down to Duke. Let's avenge that loss. Let's avenge that loss. Let's go ahead and say, hey, that was a fluke. We didn't have our starting quarterback. Um, the one we did start was playing injured, unknowing to most of everyone else in the world at the time. Yep. Um, and we just weren't firing on all cylinders. So let's go down there, avenge that. That'll be week two. And let's set it up. And that's going to set up a big week three matchup at Chapel Hill against the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Damn right. Let's get on 81. Let's drive down. Then let's get on 220. All the way down. Get over 29, 40. Let's get to Chapel Hill. Let's get them back. Now, Brian, we have another home game. Yep. And this one, I think. The way we've kind of set this up, this would be ideal for Tech. NC State, you've mentioned already, they're kind of on the meddling side. Um, to me, Dave Dorn's seat is on absolute fire. If he doesn't win eight games this year, maybe now it's seven. If he doesn't go seven and three, he's he's going to get fired. Yeah, I think I think he's at least got to get to seven, and I don't think he gets there. Um, I think they're going to be – Probably a little improved relative to last year, but I don't think that they're gonna set any worlds on fire. I've got them probably four and six, five and five, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, just depending on what they end up uh, putting together. But you know, we're doing a little tour of uh, of the triangle there, so that completes our tour of the triangle. Um, I know the last one was a home game, but you know, we took care of all the triangle teams there. So we got Duke, UNC, and NC State out of the out the uh, out of the way there. And that gives us our first open date. Let's take a break. Let's breathe. We've avenged a couple bad losses last year. We made all the recruits wonder why UNC, why are we committing to UNC when we go smack them? We put the nail in Dorn's coffin. Get an open week. Time to reflect. Charge the batteries. Yep, clear the batteries, but it's time to reflect because the way me and you feel to reflect, we've had some good wins, we've avenged some things, but when we look up at Lane Stadium, there's some orange and purple walking through the gates. So, fifth week, early October, 
Some of the best games at Lane Stadium that's ever been has been in early October, and it would be a night game. It would be 8 o'clock. Clemson Tigers, buddy. Clemson Tigers. They're going to come to Lane, and I, th- I think I think we, we got something for them. I'm not, you know, that's going to be the hardest game we play all season, obviously, and they are a team that I'd say if we played them eight times, we'd lose – at least six or seven of them, but at home after a bye, I, yeah, I think we might have a little something for them. So I think that if, if we're going to nick, if we're going to nick them out there, I think that's the time that we would be able to do it. Yeah, I think we've got the puncher's chance. I think we've got enough weapons on offense. I think our offensive line is good enough to hold up even this early in the season. We've got the depth. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, we put them here for a reason. We put them here because. You've got to put them somewhere, and you don't want it to be so late where if they have injuries, they figured it out. You hope it's early enough in the process. Now, Brian, we've got to take a trip back down to North Carolina next week, though, because, you know, after being home a couple weeks, we, we've got to get some of these away games away. So let's uh, let's drive down to uh, Winston-Salem. Yeah, we're going to take on the uh, Lake Forest Demon Deacons down there, you know, quick trip for us. Um I'd, like I said, I think based on where they are in the process, that's not a, a game that's going to be – should be a struggle for us. I think their defense will maybe keep it close. But I don't think that we should have a problem pulling away late. No. And that sets up another big one the following week. Uh, who we got, Curtis? Oh, God, the following week, get ready for an absolute slugfest. The atmosphere will be the same. And the team yes, will be it will. I don't think it'll be on a Friday night, but let's go up to Pitt. Um, so we're still going to play to an empty Heinz Field, right? Yeah, we're still playing to an There is no real difference, you know. Um, unless they allow fans in and then, you know, Hokie Nation gets you, get your, get your, uh, get your cars ready. Let's go up there and let's turn that place, you know, 15% maroon. There we go. <laughs> um, but again, the way we're, again, the way we're setting this up is you have Wake. That, that, that's still going to be a fight of a game down at Wake because I think their defense is going to be good this year. But I think what you said will pull away late. It's going to be the old early 2000s Virginia Tech when we had just unbelievable defenses and the damn offense couldn't punch anything um, to a point. All right, Brian. So we went up the pit. We've dealt with the normal Heinz Field atmosphere. Um We've made our we've made our doozy throw things. Yeah, because we we Kenny Pickett isn't a good quarterback. Our offensive line held up good against that good defensive front of theirs, and it frustrated them all game. But we get somebody back at lane, and we get to see sort of a new age of this team. Yep, the Miami Hurricanes will travel our way, and. Uh... We'll see what their new quarterback can do and see if uh, they've got enough offensive line to keep him upright. Enough offensive line to keep him um, upright. Um, see, losing a lot of those pass rushers last year, they still have that stud. Yep. But it's a lot easier if you know Layton. He's the guy. We're just going to – Brian, what would be the call if you're sitting there and there he is over there? What would be the call you hear? I mean, we, we, we can ship him all day, so – Every you know, tight ends are going to chip him. Uh, running backs going to chip him coming out. 
um, you know, will will definitely uh, fan that way. So I think the you'll see the cut the uh, the protections get fanned that direction every time. Um, anything to keep him from getting upfield and in the backfield in a hurry. Um, so I think you're always going to see, you know, you see an elbow from the tight end off the line just to slow him down a little bit. There's there's going to be something here or there. There's not going to just be a lot of free roam one on one situations um, for our tackle there. So I think uh, I think Big Dog Chris and uh, either Luke or, or Silas are going to going to have a little help depending on who's uh, taking care of him. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So after. Without a doubt, the brutalist stretch of our uh, schedule. You know, we had to be realistic. We couldn't make it completely. Me and Brian talked like you can't make it completely crazy because it's like cake than this. Because you got to try to make it as perfect as you can. We get a nice buy. It's going to be early November. Nice buy. We went through some wars. Let's breathe and let's go. Over a couple states. Let's go to Kentucky. Let's go to Louisville, where they've got, man, athletic quarterbacks, some good wide receivers, but that defense, it ain't that good. Nope. Um, the offensive line lost, as you call it, they've lost bookends, won a damn first-round talent. So let's go down to Louisville um, with this big – very big game mid-November. One of those big November games because we're playing this sort of, you know, best two teams make it. This could potentially be one of those games where it's a make or break. Like, all right, VT, go down there. You win. You put yourself in the driver's seat. You lose your lose your. Yeah. At, at this point, we'll know whether or not we have a shot at playing for the ACC championship yeah. game, I feel like, because you're, you're down to your last two conference games. One of them's against your rival UVA, so you've got one last road game to go and handle your business. It's at Louisville. They are an up-and-coming team in the conference, so it's not they'll, they'll probably be playing for something as well. Yeah. So I feel like it's going to be a really big contest there. And, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of some of their um, – I think we're the more balanced team, so if we can yeah. score enough points, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, we definitely are the more balanced team there. So um, – and I also think, again, they've got the athletic quarterback, but maybe having new defensive line schemes, and it'll be late, so they'll probably know what we're doing, but maybe we don't get burned like we used to um, by running quarterbacks. So, Brian, um, let's get some revenge. You want some revenge, eh? I want some revenge. So, you know, last year... UVA had a bye week. Then they played Liberty, and then they played us. So, you know, that week before we play them on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, let's play Liberty or JMU or ODU or someone of that ilk. Yeah. What do you think? I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I think that will uh, set us up nicely for – um, UVA coming to Lane Stadium the next week, so you know, at that point we potentially could be controlling our own fate as to whether we play for the ACC championship game. At the very least, we control our own fate as whether we uh, get the the cut back. So, I think having an, an out of conference game, especially against a, a team like a Liberty or a JMU or an ODU, 
think that'd be a good tune-up, especially coming off a big road game, regardless win or lose against Louisville. I think that would be something there to kind of cleanse the palate before you um, have the Cavaliers come to lane. All right, so we already said it. Normal Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving weekend matchup, UVA, Virginia Tech, last game of the year for us. Um, this was the easy one. As soon as we started this, we just said, you have to put that game there. You try to keep that game. Um, you know, you're probably going to see the Carolina schools do it. Um, my assumption would be since Clemson's not playing South Carolina, they'll probably hook up with Georgia Tech. Um, FSU Miami should be that weekend. Um, Syracuse Boston College. Um, and Louisville Pitt. Let Notre Dame play there out of conference that weekend. Let them hopefully my, my hope of all the teams they play, let Notre Dame convince Navy Thanksgiving weekend, come up to South Bend, um, and let's keep this tradition going. Yeah, that'd be a good one. All right. So, Brian, that's our perfect game, guys. So, Brian, a little earlier today. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you right now. Put a number on it. The 10 ACC games, how many Virginia Tech winning? I mean, I know that a lot. Of, a lot of parks are still moving. We saw Caleb opt out. We're probably going to see more players opt out. Yeah. But um, what's the what's the lowest common denominator you see in terms of us winning? Seven is the minimum amount of games we're going to win this year. Okay. I can see. I, I was feeling the same way. I was saying. I was saying seven is probably what I would. If you had me put a number on, I'd say we'd at least get seven. Yep. If things go wrong or we have the wrong combination of players opt out and other teams don't, maybe six. Yep. As high as eight, maybe nine, but I think seven is a good number that, to put on it. Yep. Um, would you like Stuart Mandel, uh, say four and six? What a dumbass. That's all I'm on. Because A, if you read the write up, it makes no sense. Like, like, oh, you don't have any playmakers returning. And Brian, you're sitting there like, wait a second. Hendon Hooker's returning. Trey Turner's returning. Tavion Robinson's returning. James Mitchell's returning. We just got Herbert from Kansas who has been known to go off. And potentially we could have Blackshear <laughs> come in. Blackshear. We've got a couple other transfers that we've got coming in that, that potentially can touch the ball as well. So I, I just don't understand the – I mean, if you just look at, okay, well, if you look at just, okay, well, we got Hendon Hooker and Trey Turner. I feel like that's all he saw was Hendon Hooker and Trey Turner and didn't look at – anybody else that contributed to last year's offense. Well, like, well, that's all they have coming back. That's the only playmakers they have. Yeah. They're done. That, that, like, provided no, – there was no depth to the analysis. Um, then then you look at the, the UVA assessment, which was like they lost <laughs> their entire offense uh, pretty much at wide receiver and quarterback, uh, six and four. What it shows me is, as a national writer, he did very little research in that – and, and he works for the athletic who you would think, I'm hoping whoever his boss is lambases his ass. But also he's the guy who in 2016 said we'd go five and seven. So I like when Stewart's wrong. Um, cause when Stewart's wrong, usually good things happen for Virginia Tech. He doesn't really have a boss. He's the editor in chief for their college football coverage. <laughs> so the fuck kind of stops with him. Um, yeah. so which is kind of, I mean, in terms of, college football coverage, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, he didn't dive a little bit deeper on that, or, you know, maybe he just has something against Virginia Tech, which is, you know, it is what it is, but, yeah. again, I would have a problem if he said 
five wins, six wins maybe. I'm like, okay, well, it's lower than I'd pick, but without knowing a whole lot of information, if you threw a six out there, I'd be like, okay, okay, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll accept it. I don't like it, but I'll accept it. But Absolutely. throwing four out there, I mean, four, that's pretty much saying any game that we would be picked to either win or lose by less than seven points, we're going to lose all of them. We're going to lose all of them, yeah. That's exactly what he said. But let's not worry about him. Let's move on. We, you said it earlier, and we're going to mention it again real quick. ACC, SEC announced this afternoon, 10-game conference-only schedule. That essentially 86s, Florida State, Florida, South Carolina, um, uh, Clemson, I think old-fashioned hate, Georgia Tech, Georgia, and the battle for the Bluegrass State, Louisville, um, Kentucky. Um, we'll touch on this probably next week because hopefully they will release at least the opponent, if not the full schedule, because, buddy, it's going to be like we talked about some of the games with the ACC. It's going to be the same with the SEC. It's probably going to be the same with the Pac-12. It's going to probably be the same with the Big Ten, which us as college football fans, which we are. It makes us kind of happy. Like, yeah, yeah, we get to see some games we maybe normally don't see. Right. Multiple games we normally don't see. I mean, we're used to the traditional cross robberies that yeah. your Alabama's play every year and things like that. But now you right. might see, okay, well, they're going to have to play maybe well, Georgia and Florida too, or Georgia and Tennessee, or I mean, it, it could be some really intriguing matchups, man. Well, Alabama's constant crossover is Tennessee. Yeah, they are playing Georgia this year. Yep. <laughs> so either it's going to be like so the SEC has to be very smart of how they do it, like. There's that Florida team down there. Do, do, do we, do we, do we, do we, do we just give them that team? Or do we, uh, <laughs> or do we do something? It's going to be mesmerizing to see that. So awesome. Brian, we have got, that is so much we have given out tonight. A lot to digest. Yep. I mean, a ton. So the, the engagement question this week is, Boundary Corner fans, do you like this format? And if you don't, what would you have preferred? And the only unacceptable answer here, I just want a normal college football season. That's You, you can't get yeah. that. Because, I mean, other conferences have already made their decision. We can't control that anymore, so let's control what we can control. What we can control is how our conference plays games. Exactly. So, I mean, do you like the format, the 10 plus 1? Do you prefer just a 10-game conference schedule? Would you prefer a pod situation where you play five teams in your geographic area twice? Yep. You know, what What would you like? Tell us what you like. Be creative. Be creative. Um, I'm good with this format. I think it makes the most sense. Um, so. I, I, I like it. I, I could do with or without the plus one, especially since it's not going to likely be another power five team. Um, I could take or leave the plus one, but it's nice to have it in there as a tune-up for a potential big game. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave it in there and, and say I'm happy with it. Yep, absolutely. All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe for your podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, he plays us in, he plays us out, our buddy Jason Long. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening, and as always, let's go. Okie. Okay.